Hey everybody, this is Hunter Howard. I'm the lead pastor of Encounter Church. Here at Encounter Church, our vision is helping people encounter God. And that's what I pray and hope for you today, that you will encounter God through this message. Enjoy. So we've been in practically the whole year, we've been talking about faith. Has anybody been blessed by, by faith? How faith works? I don't know about you, but this has challenged me. Like... Pastor RJ said it, Pastor Hunter had said it too, like, as we've gone through this series, it's like I've realized, like, the Holy Spirit has shown me so many areas where I had such small faith, such little faith, and he's so, God is so good, and he's so kind that he doesn't reveal things in us to just point it out and say, ha ha, your faith is little, but God reveals it so that he can heal it. He reveals it so that it can grow. He reveals things that are wrong in us. He convicts us, is what the Bible says, so that we change. And this has been so convicting, um, but I've noticed so much change in my faith walk. Has anybody else seen a change in your faith? And so we've, we've had like a theme verse this entire year. And we've just been talking about faith, but the whole year the theme is every word. Can you say every word? And basically, the, the essence of this uh, year-long theme is that we're reading every word of God. And so we have a theme scripture, and I need your help, okay? Are you ready to read this with me? So the, the media team will flash this up on the screen, but we have a, a memory verse, Matthew 4.4. Just let's read it together. Are you ready? All right. People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Can you say every word? And I think we have it in Espanol. Uh, there it is. Okay. In Espanol. Vamos. La gente no vive solo de pan, sino de cada palabra que sale de la boca de Dios. Mateo 4.4. Oh, ay! Wow. So, and we have one simple statement that we're saying together. And they're going to flash it up. Let's read it in English first. Read every word of God together in 2022. En español, leer cada palabra de Dios juntos en el 2022. Give yourselves a hand. That's awesome. I love a bilingual church. Come on, Georgia. I love it. I love it. So we've, we've been learning so many things. But one of the, just the most life-changing silly acronyms that we've learned is WASK. Has anybody been practicing some WASKing? Has anybody been WASKing? I have, I have been WASKing. So what's the W in WASK? Help me out. Will, right? The first part of how faith works, biblical faith, is based on the will of God, right? And, you know, Pastor Julian said, I, like, Bree and I are the youth pastors, so we work with middle schoolers and high schoolers, and sometimes I feel like we can get silly with our faith. You know, like, we didn't study for our AP bio test, and we start getting that scripture, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Oh, Lord, thank you for faith. I can do all things, Jesus. We try to use our faith for silly things, and the Holy Spirit's like, just study, bro. <laughs> but biblical faith is based on the will of God. And where do we ascertain the will of God? La palabra de Dios. The word of God is where we ascertain or we understand or we learn the will of God. The first place of biblical faith is learning the will of God. Can you say will? will. All right. Wask. What's the A? 
right? So simple. We have to learn the will of God, but how many of us just stop there? Like, man, it is God's will, like Pastor Julian was saying, for, for my finances to abound so I can be generous. Hallelujah! But that's just that. We need to ask. The second part of faith is going, God, your word says it's your, it's your will that I would abound for every good work. So right now, I'm not abounding. So, Father, I ask that you would perform your will in my life. It takes asking. It's taking that word and making it mine. That, that promise of God is not just floating in the ether, but it's my promise. It's God's promise for my finances that they would abound for every good work. But we're asking. So what's the S? Seek. So we ask, but then we begin to seek. Because like the Bible says, we believe we have received. So if God has already answered our prayer, then we begin to seek out. Maybe God is saying, hey, fire up that resume. Instead of just, you know, praying in tongues all night that I'd give you a new job, fire up that resume and start applying. Start seeking. Start going to those doors. And then what's the K in WASC? Knock. So we seek out those doors, but then we don't just stand at the door going, that's a lovely French door with nice recessed lighting. Magnolia level. Joanna Gaines would be proud. No, we have to knock. We got to do something. So put in those applications. Start to actually do the work of, of faith. We have to ask. Will, ask, seek, and knock. And you know, I've been knocking and knocking and knocking and knocking and knocking on my wask for two years. Is it okay if I get vulnerable with you for a second and just share with you my wask? Is that okay? Okay. You know, you'll learn if, you, if you're newer here at Encounter Church, we take off religious masks here. We take off the facade and we're real because God knows us and he sees who we really are. So there's, there's no point putting up a, a facade. It's just wasted energy. And my mask is off. And I've been knocking and knocking and wasking and wasking for two years. And, you know, about it was late 2019 or so, Bree, my wife, and I, we were, we were leading a, a, a discipleship group for young families. And some of them are in here today that were a part of that group. And we were leading this group, and God was touching families, and lives were getting changed. It was awesome. You know, we grew to like 30 people. There were like 13 kids. It was supposed to be a small group, you know, but it just exploded. God was moving. It was so incredible. I mean, we didn't even have kids, and we were ministering to young families, you know. It, it was just something God was doing. But then uh, at a, late 2019, I felt the Holy Spirit begin to speak to us, and he said we needed to start the youth group at Encounter Church, the youth ministry. And I was like, well, God, that's awesome. That's, that's always been a dream in my heart since I got born again when I was 17. But God, there's only one problem. We have no teenagers at Encounter Church. As of two years ago, we had no teens. And so we're like, okay, God, I mean, we're supposed to start a youth group for no teenagers. How does this work? Help me understand. Like, I can't reconcile these differences here, you know. But then God spoke to us and he said, the need isn't in the church right now. And it will be. But the need's in the harvest. So he called us to the harvest. And so... He told us his will. It didn't make any sense in the natural. But we, we took the leap. We took the step. And the, the only place at that point that we knew where teenagers were was there's some of them at the skate park at Swift Cantrell. Bree was like seven or eight months pregnant with Joshua by that point. So, you know, Bree's pregnant. We're going out to the skate park. 
and she's going to kill me for that. Um, and so we would, go, we would just go buy Grand Slam pizza, all right, this greasy pizza. We would just buy this stuff, go out to the park, and then we would just start inviting people like, hey, do you want to come learn about Jesus? Come on, come with us. And, and so as we did that, like some teenagers started to get saved. We had some in the church that went from elementary into to middle school. And so God started bringing teenagers into the church as we were going out. Things were starting to grow, take shape. We were getting some momentum. And then boom, March 2020. We all know what happened. That, that Rona. And Rona came and momentum kicked in the throat. You know, we, we had to be isolated for months. And, and so as we came out of that, it's like we had to restart. But this whole time, God had promised us, like, his will for us was that we would reach, disciple, and revive a generation of teenagers. God has promised hundreds, even thousands of teenagers to us. And that vision is ridiculous when you look at, at our earthly, natural situation right now. It didn't make any sense. There were no teenagers at that point. And God was promising hundreds. And, and, then, and then Rona happened. And so it's like, oh, great. Now we have to, like, restart. And then I'm in my late 20s. Bree's in her late 20s. We have a kid. We're not cool. How are we going to relate to middle schoolers and high schoolers that are cool? What are we, how are we going to do this, God? It made no sense. But we never gave up. And we kept going. And we're still not cool, but we keep going. <laughs> and we're having another kid, but we keep going. And you know something that's amazing? Is that as we've persisted, as we've pushed through the situations and the setbacks, we've seen God do amazing things. We've seen teenagers get saved that were bound in depression and suicide and they got set free. We've seen disciples made. We've had a chance to, to preach at North Cobb High School, have their largest single FCA event where high schoolers gave their lives to Jesus, got to preach at Durham Middle School where, you know, there are 80 middle schoolers and like 50 of them gave their lives to Jesus. We got to do these things because we persisted, because we kept going. And God has shown up in amazing ways. And like, I think it was three weeks ago now when we had the men's encounter retreat. Any men out there? Yeah. So Mr. Jake Simon, Jake, there you are. Jake's back there. Wave, wave your hand, Jake. So... Both of Jake's kids, Joe and Jade, um, are in Encounter Youth, and they're awesome. We love them a lot. They're incredible. And Jake came up, and he shared his testimony. And I think I was sitting right over here, like where Alan is sitting. And he just began to share about how God touched his life. And Joe got baptized in the Holy Spirit for the first time, began to pray in tongues that as a whole family, they're going to get baptized next week. And I was like, yes. And they didn't pay me for this infomercial about their family, by the way. They didn't know I was doing this. But as I was sitting there listening to Jake, I just began to cry. I was weeping. One of the teenagers leaned over to Bree, and she's like, is, is he crying? <laughs> and I'm like, yes, I'm crying. You don't know the, the, the prayers, the tears, the sweat that's gone into that single soul. You don't know the work that we've toiled to see that fruit. Yes, I'm crying because I see the faithfulness of God on display. And then the next week, his sister gets up here and Jesus wrecked her life at the encounter retreat. And he spoke to her, her identity. And she's, she's evangelist already. She's bringing people to, to youth and to church. God is using them. Of course I'm crying because we've sowed into this. And it hasn't been in our time. There's been setbacks in Rona. And we're not cool in all of these things. But God is faithful to his promise. Yes. 
He's faithful to his word. And so I've been asking for two years. We haven't seen hundreds, but we're going to. We haven't seen the fullness of revival, but we will. Because it's his will. We're asking. We are seeking. And I'm going to knock until that door comes down. But as I've been going through this, the Holy Spirit began to speak to me. And you hear this awesome testimony, and I, I, I seem like I'm like full of faith right now, and it's because I'm like hyped and excited to talk to you. But Bree, my wife, has heard my many dark nights of the soul. Like every other week, it's like I'm like, woe is me. Did we make the right choice? I'm awful at this. There's got to be somebody better. And it's like I would like break down like every other week. And then the Holy Spirit began to ask me, Caleb, where is your faith? You have faith. We all have some measure of faith. But where is it? What do we have it placed in? Because you know you can misplace your faith. Many of us. I know for me, many times as I had my dark nights of the soul, Holy Spirit revealed, Caleb, you're trusting in your own anointing. You're trusting in your own calling. You think it's because you're, you act so cool or you talk a certain way or you say this that I'm going to move. I'm not moved by that. I'm moved by faith. My faith was misplaced. It was placed in the wrong place. Many of us. You know, we need God to provide, and so what do we do? Pastor Julian talked about it. We work, 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 work. Oh, you need me to work Sundays? It's okay. God un understands my heart. I'm going to work. Oh, 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 I need to miss discipleship group? That's okay. I need to work. God, I need, I need the money. Our faith isn't in Jehovah Jireh. It's not in God our provider. Our faith is in our job. Whatever we put first in our lives is an idol. And under the guise of faith, many times we've, we've just exalted idols. And like Pastor Julian said, hard work is good. We need to work hard. But we need to work hard with the understanding that whether it's this job or that job or no job, he who began a, a good work in me is faithful to complete it. We can put our faith in the wrong place. Maybe, maybe you have, like, your wask is that you want to you wanna see sick people get healed. You've heard the testimonies. You've read it in the word of God. You've seen the stories, and it's like, I want that to happen. But sometimes we begin to put our faith in what man of God laid their hands on me and imparted something to me, and now the anointing I carry is what's going to set people free. And our faith is misplaced because we're looking at ourselves instead of looking to Jesus, the healer, as the one that's going to do it. And what, do we, and what happens when we look at ourselves as the source of our faith? It sucks. It's awful. Because one day you're good, and the next day it's terrible. And it's so up and down. If you had a bad week and you didn't pray for somebody, then all of a sudden it's in the pits of the world, or the pits of the earth. Our faith has to be placed right. So let's look in Luke 8. We're going to look at two different situations. We're going to look at one situation where some people's faith was in the wrong place. And what happened from that. And then we're going to look at another story where two people's faith was in the right place. Can you say faith in the right place? Are you ready in Counter Church to put your faith in the right place today? Luke 8, 22 through 25. Let's look at faith in the wrong place. One day, Jesus said to his disciples, 
let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and started out. As they sailed across, Jesus settled down for a nap. Anyone going to nap after church today? Any nappers out there? Come on now. Jesus did it. We can do it. But soon, a fierce storm came down on the, uh, the lake. The boat was filling with water, and they were in real danger. Can you say real danger? The disciples went and woke him up, shouting, Master, Master, we're going to drown. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and the raging waves. Suddenly, the storm stopped, and all was calm. Then he asked them. Then he asked Caleb. Then he asked Encounter Church, where is your faith? The disciples were terrified and amazed. Who is this man? They asked each other. When he gives a command, even the wind and waves obey him. Let's look at a couple things from that. At the very beginning, it, it, Jesus said, let's go to the other side of the lake. In my Bible, at the end of that statement, there's a period. There's not a question mark. Jesus made a statement. He said, disciples, we're going to the other side of the lake. Encounter church. Caleb, Bree, encounter youth. There's hundreds and thousands of, of revived teenagers on the other side of this lake. We're going. But many times we look at it as a question. We're going? God, you promised abundance for me? No, Jesus made a statement. And so, but when they get onto the water and the, the storm, the inevitable storm of life. Anybody know that storms in life are inevitable? They will come. The storms come breaking into the ship and these disciples start panicking. Why did they panic? Jesus had made a clear statement. We're going to the other side of the lake. They panicked because their faith wasn't in the right place. You see, Jesus was a carpenter from Nazareth, right? Do carpenters sail boats on the Sea of Galilee? Not usually. Do fishermen who live in Galilee sail on the Sea of Galilee? Naturally speaking, the disciples were the obvious ones to make a statement of we are going to die or not. They were the ones that had the authority in the natural. They were the experts. They were the subject matter experts. They were the ones that could say, Jesus, you're a carpenter from Nazareth. I appreciate that you're a prophet and all. You don't understand. We know this sea. We know this lake. And we are in real danger right now. They trusted in their own strength. They trusted in their own ability as fishermen to get the job done. But when the storm broke on that boat... Did they have what it takes to get the job done? No. And so their faith gave way because it was in the wrong place. And they began to panic. Their faith was in their ability as fishermen, not in the word of God. Because God had spoken, let's go to the other side of the lake. But another way that we can see their faith was misplaced was at the very end, Jesus calms the storm. And then what, what do they say? Who is this man? Jesus was the son of man, but he was also the son of? They didn't know who he really was yet. Some of us, our faith is misplaced because we don't really know the character of our God. If we misview who God is, if we misinterpret his character, 
our faith can get misplaced. They didn't grasp who he fully was, and their faith was in the wrong place because of it. What does that mean for us? Is our faith misplaced? But let's, let's look now a little bit later in Luke 8, and we're going to look at two people who, despite difficult situations, despite really bad setbacks, they pushed through and they kept their faith in the right place. Are you ready to see some right-placed faith? Luke 8, 40 through 56. On the other side of the lake, the crowds welcomed Jesus because they had been waiting for him. Then a man named Jairus, can you say Jairus? And a man named Jairus, a leader of the local synagogue, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come home with him. His only daughter, who was about 12 years old, was dying. As Jesus went with him, he was surrounded by the crowds. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding, and she could find no cure. Coming up behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe, and immediately the bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. Everyone denied it, and Peter said, Master, this whole crowd is pressing up against you. But Jesus said, Someone deliberately touched me, for I felt healing power go out from me. When the woman realized that she could not stay hidden, she began to tremble and fell to her knees in front of him. The whole crowd heard her explain why she had touched him and that she had been immediately healed. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. While he was still speaking to her, a messenger arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the local synagogue. He told him, your daughter's dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. But when Jesus heard what had happened, he said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just have faith, and she will be healed. When they arrived at the house, Jesus wouldn't let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, James, and the little girl's father and mother. The house was filled with people weeping and wailing, but he said, stop the weeping. She isn't dead. She's only asleep. But the crowd laughed at him because they all knew she had died. Then Jesus took her by the hand and said in a loud voice, my child, get up. And at that moment, her life returned, and she immediately stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Praise God. Her parents were overwhelmed, but Jesus insisted that they not tell anyone what had happened. We see two people, the woman and Jairus. Let's look at the woman first. It says that she had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. Not to be ugly, but that basically means she was on a never-ending period for 12 years. She was bleeding for 12 years. 12 years. Think of how awful that is. She spent all of her money, everything that she owned, she spent it on, on doctors, on some sort of fix. She tried every avenue to put her faith, and it fell short. Nothing against doctors. God bless them for what they do. God bless medicine. He made it. It's a gift. But, but our faith can't be in medicine. Our faith can't be in our money. Our faith can't be in those things. She tried it, and it failed. Until finally she came to the end of her rope, and she made up her mind by faith. If I could just touch Jesus' garment, 
Think about that. I mean, if you touch my shirt, nothing, it's just a shirt, it's just fabric. What she was speaking from was faith. Her faith rose up in her and said, if I could just touch even his garment, I could be healed. My situation could change. And I love this woman. She shows us dogged faith. She shows us persistent faith. Because she had been bleeding for 12 years, y'all. I, I don't know about you, but I get the man flu or the man cold. If I get sick, it's like the world's over. You know, if I get a sniffle, it's like I'm dead. I'm just, I'm done. Jesus, take me now. I, I just, I instantly melt into this, like, baby, you know? But I can only imagine for 12 straight years she had been bleeding and suffering. How weak was she? How sickly was this lady? But she didn't let anybody or anything get in her way of touching Jesus. She pushed through. She pushed past her circumstances to just touch him. She was desperate. And I love it. Jesus didn't turn around to her and say, oh, be healed. Jesus was just walking. The level of her faith. She had placed her faith in Jesus, and it was the right place. And it literally, think about this. Jesus had to turn around and ask, who touched me? Her faith was so built up. She was so desperate for this encounter with Jesus that all she did was touch him from behind. And it caused Jesus to turn around. She literally drew out power from Jesus to heal her because of her faith. Think about that encounter, church. Think about your situation right now. Think about what you're asking for. Is your faith so desperate that you draw the power out from Jesus and he has to go, who touched my robe? Our faith has so much power. Faith that works needs to be placed in Jesus. But when it's placed, nothing and nobody can get in the way. If he has promised abundance in your life, if you're asking for abundance, then it's time to start doggedly persisting in what God has promised you. It's time to ask and seek and knock and knock and knock until the door opens. This woman pushed past the crowd. She had every reason to give up, but she didn't. And I felt Holy Spirit tell me this, and I feel like he's telling it to some of us today. Many of us give up too easily. God, you promised this relationship would be restored. I prayed for a week, God, and it got worse. And we give up. What's on the other side of your persistence? What's on the other side of your insistence? Don't give up. So we looked at the woman. Now let's look at the one that really had a crazy situation. Let's look at Jairus. See, Jairus, his daughter was dying. She didn't just have the sniffles. She was dying. And I can imagine as a parent, like, if my son was lying there dying, the last thing that I would want to do is leave him. But this father's faith got built up. If I could just get Jesus... If Jesus could just intervene in this situation, everything would change. If, if the teacher could walk in the room, it would all be different. And he, his faith was placed in Jesus, and he decided, okay, I'm going to leave my sick daughter here as much as I don't want to, and I'm going to go get the teacher, because they didn't have 911, y'all. There was no ambulance to do this. This man set out by foot to find Jesus. 
And when he found him, can you imagine? He, he comes to Jesus surrounded by this crowd. But he comes, he's, Jesus, my daughter is dying at home. Can you come with me? And Jesus says, yes. Can you imagine how Jairus felt in that moment? Like, finally, like I'm on the other side of my wask. Finally, the door is open. My miracle is happening. Jesus is coming with me. And he's walking, and Jairus must have felt some level of hope coming into his heart. Like, oh, finally my daughter is going to be healed. It's going to be okay. And then what happens? The sickly old woman touches Jesus, and Jesus stops. I can imagine what Jairus felt. I mean, in that culture, a sick woman and a leader of a synagogue, you know, their, their level of authority and importance in society was tremendously different. Jesus was going with Jairus. Didn't Jairus deserve for his miracle first? And that's how many of us can act. Somebody else is getting touched by God, and you've been there wasking for five years, and you're still waiting. And it's like, well, God, why'd you touch them? I'm the leader of a synagogue. I serve you. I'm in here. I'm putting in the work. Why not me? And Jairus is waiting and Jesus is, this lady's having her encounter, and Jairus is just there waiting for his thing. And then the worst possible thing happens. His friend shows up, and he says, Jairus, she's dead. Don't trouble the teacher now. That's what the devil does to us. When we've built up our faith, and we're going after it, and then there's a setback. The devil loves, loves to come. And he whispers and he says, she's dead. Your faith was worthless. God has failed you. Don't trouble the teacher anymore. In that moment, Jairus had a choice. He had a decision to make. Would he be like the disciples and succumb to his fear? Or would he place his faith in the right place. Because this servant comes and he tells him, your daughter is dead. But what does Jesus say? When Jesus hears that, he says, Jairus, do not, don't be afraid. Just have faith. Jairus has an option right there. Be afraid, succumb to the fear, succumb to the storm, or place my faith in what Jesus said, even though the situation makes no sense. The setback seemed too big. She was dead. He had a choice. Encounter church, Caleb, every one of us here, we have a decision. We come to those wasking moments where we can decide, will I succumb to fear, anxiety, depression? Will I succumb to what the world says? Will I succumb to lack? Will I succumb to a forfeit dream? Or will I just have faith? No matter what it looks like. And what did Jairus do? He pushed through. Jairus made the right choice. Because he kept walking with Jesus. He said, it doesn't make sense, but I'm going to keep going with you, Jesus. And he kept walking. And then they get to the house. And, and Jesus brings in his inner circle, James, John, John, and Peter. And he comes in. And there's this weeping and wailing, this commotion because she's dead. And Jesus says, stop crying. Stop the weeping. She's not dead. She's just asleep. And the people in there, they laugh at Jesus. Because guys, really... She was dead. Like in the natural was completely accurate. This little girl had died. But something so powerful was that Jesus, was, Jesus wasn't 
just ignorantly walking into the situation like, oh, just have faith, she'll be healed. No, he knew, but Jesus was speaking from a higher level. Jesus was speaking from the spirit. Jesus was speaking from a, a vantage point of faith. And he was saying, she's not dead because Jesus knew the greater miracle was coming. Some of us, we speak from the vantage point of the world. We scoff at the words that God has, has promised us. Like maybe your kid is a heathen and you've been praying and praying and praying and the world says, yeah, your kid's doing drugs, they're getting kicked out of school. Like all of this is, is awful and they scoff. But your word is that your child will live and not die to proclaim the works of the Lord. That your family will serve the Lord. And no matter what it looks like, are we going to speak from a vantage point of the natural and say, yeah, my child is screwed up? Or are we going to speak and prophesy from the Spirit? It doesn't look like it now, but that's a future preacher. That's a future disciple maker. That person, they're pure and holy and spotless. Some of us need to change the way we talk and speak from a vantage point of faith. We live by our emotions. And so when the storm comes, our emotions fail us. We need to stand on the infallible word of God and speak from that authority. Jesus said, she's not dead. She's just asleep. Your business is not dead. It's just asleep. Your finances are not dead. It's just asleep. Teenagers in this generation, they're not spiritually dead. They're just asleep. They're just waiting for somebody to come and wake them up. And what did Jesus do? In Mark 5, which is the Mark version of the same gospel, Jesus kicked out all the people that laughed. They missed the miracle because they scoffed. How many times do we miss the miracle because we scoff at what Jesus said? But he kicks him out and then he says, little girl, get up. And Jairus' hope and his faith, it paid off. And she came to life. Is our faith in the right place? RJ can come up. As we close, I told you it was a very simple word, but it's very profound. Maybe close your eyes right now really quick. And just take a look inside. Because Holy Spirit is here in this room and he's asking us. Where is your faith? Is it in your ability? Your achievement? Your capabilities? Your strength? Your anointing? Your acumen? Your degree? Or is your faith in me? In the in the infallible word of God. Jesus is asking you right now, friend, to take a look inside your own heart. Where is your faith? Is it in the right place or the wrong place? Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really believe God spoke to you through his word today and is moving in your life. If you'd like more information about Encounter Church or you'd like to give your tithes and offerings, you can visit our website at EncounterChurchAtlanta.org. I'd also like to invite you to share this message on social media. Thanks again.